Hi, this is Marcia Epstein, and this is Talk With Me on LawrenceHits.com. And this is National Poetry Month. That's what we call April around here. And so I know I've been featuring a lot of poets who are going to be part of different events and poets because they're poets, and it's that month. And I remind you that April 27th is Poem In Your Pocket Day. So you have plenty of time to find a favorite poem that you want to share on Thursday, April 27th. And that's a fun thing to do, to remind people about Poem in Your Pocket Day. And in fact, that's how I first learned about it, was not from somebody's pocket, but from a full-page ad in the New York Times with a sweet poem and this thing about, it's National Poetry Day, it's Poem in Your Pocket Day, it's this and that. It's like, cool, I want to find out about this. So do find out, it's fun. And if you're a writer, it gives you a chance to showcase some of your work. It's a chance to share somebody else's work, just something that's a favorite. So I encourage that. And here in Lawrence, Kansas, where I am, really the biggest event that happens during April for Poetry Month is an annual poetry fair. So today we're gonna to be talking about that and talking with one of the organizers, Elise Bensel, and talking about some of Elisa's work, and we'll we'll put in some shout outs to some of the other people too, but we, we really want people to know what a great event that annual poetry fair is at the Lawrence Arts Center. And for this year, it's on Saturday, April 15th. So welcome. Hi. <laughs> this is, it's a cool, it, I mean, I've, I've been able to be there in the past and meet some of the poets who I hadn't known before, mm -hmm. and hearing people read is really special. And you know, if it's one of those things where I'm going to say again and again, buy the book. You know, it's a wonderful thing to actually support the art by buying books, by having those, getting them signed. And maybe you say, well, I'm not sure if you want, you know, if I want this book added to my bookshelf. There were so many. I don't know what to do. I don't know. I'm not. I'm more of an e-reader than a book reader. Here's something I'm going to suggest, and I'm not saying it in a bragging way, but I'm just going to say. So last year when I was listening and I was talking to some, I noticed this young woman, and she was a high school student, who came over to talk to Natasha Ria Elskari. And she was talking about how much she loved the poems that Natasha had shared. And Natasha had a couple of books and CDs and different things there. And I just was, I was, had been talking to Natasha, so I was standing in the area. And I just kind of sidled up to the young woman and I said, would you like to have one of Natasha's books? And she's like, yeah, but I really can't do it right now. And I said, I'll buy it. <laughs> so, so, you know, so I, I bought the book for that young woman. In this case, I actually bought a copy for myself as well. But I mean, you know, so a gift for somebody who really would love it, mm -hmm. perfect. And, and, I, and I'm going to say, I don't know everybody's work who's going to be there in terms of what they have that's, that's published and people can buy. But, but I'm going to just say that amongst them, are two people who I actually use their books with people who I do my counseling work with. And that would be Annette Billings, her book, Descants for a Daughter, wonderful affirmations, and Diane Silver's book of hope, you know, and, and they'll both be there. And those are just some of the examples. And so anyway, I wanna, I, I, I just, I, I obviously am excited about the event. <laughs> I'm excited for all the people who are gonna be there. And, and I'd like to hear about you, you know, we'll come back to the poetry fair. Tell us what's been going on. It's been a long time since you and I've talked yeah, about Yeah, it's writing. been almost a year, I think, <laughs> since we've talked. Um, a lot has been happening. I've been working on new manuscripts and publishing poems uh, from those new manuscripts and just continuing to write. And I'm, I'm trying to write every day for a national poetry month semi-successful. I, uh -huh. I kind of took the weekend off. Um, but yeah, I'm finishing up my fourth year in the creative writing PhD program at KU. Um, and I found out this whole next year I will be on fellowship. So I will not be teaching in my final year and I'll have a lot of time to dedicate to my dissertation and to working on my just creative work and, and trying to get it out there. So a lot has been going on in terms of really uh, exciting developments that have been giving me the opportunity to 
just work on my own poetry uh -huh. and also trying to work on some nonfiction pieces. Uh, so it's been it's been quite uh, quite a busy year for me yeah. in terms of uh, publishing, making connections with some just wonderful journals out there, and just yeah. trying to be a part of the literary community as much as possible um, in terms of the, the poetry community outside of Lawrence, but also within Lawrence, which uh -huh. is why I was happy to help organize the poetry yeah. fair this year. Yeah, and I want you to mention, I mean, you're a writer and we think of writers like you have to be really in your head, but you also are really conscious of doing other things. And I know you you mm -hmm. mentioned that you recently got a certification. So just yes. to let people know another study. <laughs> yeah. Because I think it's important for people to uh -huh. know poets are whole people. Yes. I mean, I'm always very involved in, in poetry, but this this year I made some goals for myself. Um, if anyone's familiar with the Les Mills Body Pump program, I really love group fitness classes. So I decided to get certified as an instructor uh -huh. this this past year and so that happened I just officially got certified three weeks ago or so uh -huh. um, and I did a whole training class in February for a whole weekend uh, and it was it was really fun I got to meet so many new people and people involved in in the fitness world and uh -huh. I've made a lot of great friends in the fitness world but also from other departments and and in the community so I've been really fortunate to be able to do that so uh -huh. a big part of what I've been doing recently has been a lot of group fitness uh -huh. and training and uh -huh. hopefully getting certified some more in the future uh -huh. um, and I think and I know a lot of a lot of poets and writers out there who love to just go to the gym and make friends yeah. and, and be involved in those kinds of things. Yeah. So I absolutely love it. Do you write on your treadmill? I don't uh, I don't know how people I know people can run and, and come up with ideas in uh -huh. their head and I'm just so focused, especially uh, when I'm doing like any kind of weightlifting. I'm uh -huh. like, how can you think about anything else? <laughs> I think it's amazing that some people can. So every now and then, but usually it's kind of before or after. Uh -huh. Sometimes yoga is more conducive for that, uh -huh. especially like slow yin yoga. I and uh -huh. some ideas will come into mind. But uh -huh. the fast-paced stuff, I, I'm usually so uh, wrapped up and, and try to get what I need to get done done, that uh -huh. maybe after, uh -huh. you know, with that adrenaline rush. Because, yeah. I, I, again, I think it's really important for people to realize there mm -hmm. are all these different parts of us, mm -hmm. different things that we do. And, and I don't know if you happen to know Laura Mellon Wiseman. One of her things mm -hmm. is bicycling. But also, one of the things that she and I talked about, and this was probably a couple years ago, mm -hmm. maybe, um, was a project that some poets, including one who was a poet and massage therapist, did this project where the massage therapy was the inspiration for the poets in this collection. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. like, how cool is that? Yes, I, I love that. <laughs> I love those anthologies where you can take something that you nece nece not necessarily would think about as relating to poetry. It's not all poetry based. Uh -huh. Yeah, and I love Laura and her work. She's great. She won the Beecher's contest when I was, I think, head editor a couple years ago. Oh, so cool. I, yeah, she's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, and uh, there's been a recent anthology all about. Um, perfume. I had um, my my alma mater, my undergraduate, their press put out a whole anthology about uh, poets' experiences with perfume. There's some other great presses that they did a whiskey anthology, <laughs> uh, which, you know, might be a more obvious connection. But uh, there's, there's just so many wonderful ways in which to connect poetry to every, every kind of experiences. And, uh -huh. and I think so many people have a wide breadth of experiences that they draw from and can yeah. really help inform their work. I tell that to my students all the time. I'm like, yes, read poetry, understand what's happening in contemporary poetry, find poets you love and writers you love, but also remember there's so many other interests and things that you do. Yeah. It doesn't always have to be about poetry all the time. Yeah. And those things will kind of percolate into your work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have to live to have something to write about. Exactly. <laughs> experience, lived experience is very important. When did you start writing? Um, I started writing, I mean, probably in elementary school. I always loved to write. I loved to read first. Uh -huh. I loved reading and I just read voraciously. And then I started writing and I would write lots of little stories. And But probably with poetry, I, I dabbled in that in high school. And it wasn't until I got to be an undergraduate. There's so many, so many talented high school and middle school poets now. I mean, publishing in wonderful journals, and I'm amazed. I'm like, how do you do that? Because uh -huh. it took me quite a while to arrive to poetry um, and really appreciate it because I was always reading fiction and nonfiction. And then 
um, undergrad, my intro to creative writing class, I really started writing poetry more because my professor encouraged me. He mm -hmm. said, I think this is something you could be good at. You have a lot of potential. So just keep on working at it. And I did. And, mm -hmm. and that's kind of one of the paths I followed. And, mm -hmm. and so, you know, I really encourage any student, I, I teach intro to creative writing now. And, you know, I, I think my students are wonderful at everything. I'm just like, keep on pursuing that and, mm -hmm. and see what happens. Because a lot of them before that class had never written a poem before. Mm -hmm. And now that's all they want to do. And I, I absolutely love that. But uh -huh. It took some time for me to get there in terms of writing poetry. I've always been kind of writing here and there, but uh -huh. took a while. <laughs> yeah. But but then it takes that continuing evolution, obviously, mm -hmm. to keep writing and seeing where your writing needs to go. Yeah, exactly. One of the things that I personally am really interested in is you're a grad student at KU, mm -hmm. and KU has so much going on in terms of you know, poetry events and classes and mm -hmm. those kinds of things. It's a little bit sometimes removed from the awareness of people who aren't on campus mm -hmm. at that time. What kinds of things would you say about, you know, that how people can find out and get involved with things happening through KU? I would say, um, you know, KU has a great calendar of events, like their calendar.ku.edu, um, where you can kind of look and see what's happening. And there are so many events, not only literary, but with so many wonderful visiting scholars and philosophers and musicians. Uh -huh. And the calendar of events is incredible. I tell my students to go look at it and I'm like, can, there are 15 events going on today. You know, uh -huh. if you want something to do, there will be something going on for you. Yeah. Um, and also the, the KU English or KU Creative Writing Program website also has those listed. Um, just the other week, we had Nikki Giovanni come. Yeah. And I, I was, I think there were a lot of community members there, which was wonderful. I mean, all these events are free, open to the public at the union usually, uh -huh. or at the commons at Spooner Hall. And I think people were very entranced by Nikki Giovanni oh, yeah, and what she said and her yeah. work. And yeah. it was a, just a whole performance uh, from her. Um, so we always have some really wonderful visiting writers. And we also do have the, the Creative Writing Graduate Program does have some off-campus events. Our graduate reading series, which is coming up this Thursday, 7 p.m. at Decade Coffee, we have so many wonderful uh, writers in our program and we try to feature them in the Lawrence community rather than on campus because I think it's fun. It's a more relaxed atmosphere. Uh -huh. So we've had past events, you know, at Cider Gallery, at Decade, at Essential Goods, at all, all around Frank's, North Star Tavern, uh -huh. Gaslight, um, all these different places in the Lawrence community where we've been fortunate in that we've seen some community members who just didn't even know what was happening. They're like, oh, cool, poetry reading, and uh -huh. they want to come and hang out. And so we, we really encourage, you know, community members to come out. And yeah. we're always so happy to yeah. have them. And yes. I want to give a shout out actually to the School of Music. On Friday, this past Friday, April 7th, Ron McCurdy's Langston Hughes project was performed. Yes, I heard and, about this. And it was amazing and it was amazing on so many levels and of course as i was talking to somebody as i was leaving they were talking about Ron curtis music and i said yeah i mean it was fabulous but but i'm gonna say it's april and it was langston hughes that brought me here you know <laughs> and and so the the performance combines music and this poem is this wonderful poem of Langston Hughes that has different segments. And then a slideshow that relates to the civil rights movement in our country, which fits with the themes of the poem as well. So it was outstanding. And like you're saying, it was a free event from the University of Kansas, yes. this one school of music in this lovely Swarthout Recital Hall. Mm -hmm. You know, it was, it was such a great thing to experience. Mm -hmm. So we need to remember not to feel intimidated if we're no longer a student, or maybe never were a student, mm -hmm. you know, to, to get involved with what's going on up there. Yeah, I mean, it's wonderful to have, you know, faculty and staff and, and students there together, but the community members would, it just would be lovely to have more community members uh -huh. um, at these events because they are, they're meant to be for the public too. It's uh -huh. meant, it's not just meant to be for the institution. It's yeah. for the wider, you know, community to come yeah. and, and experience this really wonderful programming that yeah. the has to offer yeah. for free. Yeah, and one of those great combination programs, I know you would say this if I didn't miss, Taproom Poetry Series, yes. which Megan Kaminsky, who is at KU, and, and Jim McCurry, who is not at KU, um, co-curate this, and Danny, Danny Kane, who's currently a grad student at, 
at uh, KU as well is a big part of that. Mm -hmm. And it's this wonderful event, usually every month, sometimes not in summer months, but um, on a Sunday at five at the tap room at 8th and New Hampshire with an, an open mic at the beginning and then amazing featured poets. And I know one of my favorite times that we went, I think it was, was a, uh, might have been, it was a special summer one, and I don't remember if it was June or July last year, but it was associated with uh, with an institute on campus with African-American poets. And those women blew us out of the water. It was like, this is so beautiful and so powerful. Mm -hmm. It was a gift to be able to hear them. Yes, you get, they get, uh, Taproom is able to get poets who sometimes you wouldn't even, you'd have to see at a very, very large venue and, and wait. And it's a really lovely, intimate space yeah. and very friendly. Yeah. And you get that uh, commingling of, uh, students from the university and faculty, as well as a lot of community members. That's uh -huh. one thing I love about that series. Is there are a lot of members of the community there yes. for the open mic and also just to, you know, listen. Yeah. Um, as well as students, too. I encourage my students to go. And when uh -huh. they're like, I love this. This is yes. so nice. Yes. They, and fun. Yeah. You know, it's always going to be fun, too. So yeah. like, this is not a stuffy atmosphere. No. People <laughs> think poetry readings are very intimidating and stuffy and formal. And, you know, nothing could be further from the truth, especially for Taproom. Yeah. My only warning about Taproom is it's dark it and dark. the ceiling's <laughs> low. You know, it's like the first time it's mm -hmm. like, whoa, mm -hmm. <laughs> this black painted hallway that you go down these stairs mm -hmm. and like there's an exit light but otherwise nothing and it takes a little it's like where yeah it is and a little disorienting just just as it turns out you know there are always some poets that are particularly tall and you think if they got excited and bounced they would bump the ceiling yes i think it's happened before you know very very close to the ceiling it is not a high ceiling um luckily it's a little bit lighter now so the re the uh the um March reading was a little, um, actually I did one early, early April with uh, Jennifer L. Knox, uh -huh. uh, if you know her, she's she's just a wonderful, wonderful writer, and uh, it was a little bit lighter outside, so it was not quite, but in the winter months it gets very dark and a little precarious. <laughs> so there's great stuff going on, and so, and so back to the poetry fair, tell me about your getting involved as an organizer, Beth, because Beth Schultz started this. Mm -hmm. This is the fourth annual one, yes. and it's always a great event. Yeah, Beth Schultz started it four years ago, and at that time I was uh, a student very new to, to the Lawrence community and uh -huh. to KU, and I had heard about it, and so I just decided to sign up and, and be there, and it was a very, it was a completely different experience from uh -huh. a lot of the other poetry events I'd gone to. One, it's, you know, it goes all afternoon, and, and two, it features a lot of community writers. I mean, uh -huh. there are some some students there reading from their work, and, and I was kind of sitting at a table near them, but uh, the breadth of work that you get at something like that and the fact that you get so many different kinds of poets and people from the community who are there. Uh -huh. um, so I started out there and I didn't really know anyone at the time. Uh -huh. I didn't really know Beth that well. And then I've come to know her a lot more over the years. Uh -huh. And she's just so wonderful and encouraging yes. and supportive. And so I've been going every year since it started. And uh -huh. so this year, Beth asked me, would you help out with organizing? Uh -huh. And and could you, you know, brainstorm some ideas with us? And so I was really happy to do that. I was very uh, happy that she invited me to to help with the organization. Uh -huh. So, yeah, she invited me and Danny this year to help out. Uh -huh. So okay. so tell people a little bit more about what actually happens. There. So what happens at the, the poetry fair is it's a lot of listening to people read their work. And you get... A sampling of a large number of readers so we've we've switched it up every year we've tried different formats but for this year what we're doing is we're having two main blocks of readings where readers read for about five minutes each mm -hmm. so you know anywhere from it can be anywhere from two to three poems or maybe even a couple shorter ones um, depending on what that person is reading and then it moves on to the next reader mm -hmm. and then we have a break and then at the very end of the fair this year we're doing just a meet-and-greet where people can walk around the fair um, sample, uh, you know, ask some questions uh, from the re of the readers, as well as purchase chapbooks or books. Um, so one of the requirements we have this year is, you know, someone having published, either self-published or published through a press, um, a chapbook or full-length poetry collection, just so they have something to show people. Um, we think it's really important that if people come, you know, and they want, um, yeah. you know, a sampling of someone's work and they want to take something home with them, that they can. Uh -huh. So that's the way that 
this this year it's going to be formatted. We've tried different formats, you know, with uh -huh. with breaks and then mingle time and then readings, but we're going to focus very much on the readings aspect at the beginning and then toward the end of the fair, um, everything opens up and everyone can kind of mingle uh -huh. and and talk with one another. And we're hoping to encourage a lot of conversation, a uh -huh. lot of exchange. I know at a lot of these events, there's a lot of trades that happen. Yeah. You know, I'll trade my book for your book. Yeah. So you get quite a wide range uh, of poets and aesthetics uh -huh. and you get to maybe meet a lot of people that you haven't heard of before and also reconnect with people who maybe you haven't seen since yeah. the past poetry fair. I know it's hard to get everyone together in a space. So this is that opportunity yeah. to do so. So like last year it was set up with tables around mm -hmm. the edge of the room yes. and that's where authors were with their books. Is, mm -hmm. it, is that? I think we're going to do something similar, um, but this time instead of having like a block of readings and then mingle time and then block of readings, what we'll do is block of readings and then just a little break so people can get coffee, mm -hmm. you know, move around a little bit and then more readings and then have a really open time. So there's not that pressure to kind of get back to the table, you know, and, and, or, to quick, you know, we have to quick continue the readings. So mm -hmm. all the readings first, but yeah, I'm sure there'll be some, they always switch it up depending on events going on mm -hmm. at, the, at the Lawrence Art Center, but I'm sure it'll kind of be tables all around and then um, opportunity to kind of browse. And, and which part of the Art Center will it be in? I'm pretty sure this time it'll still be back in the gallery. Okay. Um, once again, it always depends on the exhibit. Sometimes mm -hmm. we've had to, had to change it up a little last minute, mm -hmm. um, but most likely it'll be either in the lobby area or in the gallery. So right mm -hmm. when you walk in, there will be lovely signs mm -hmm. and so directing you mm -hmm. um, to get there. And and everything will start around 1.30. Mm -hmm. So, and then it will continue through 5, but you don't feel obligated to stay that whole time. You can come and go as you please. So mm -hmm. if there's someone you really you know want to see read and you know what time they're reading, you can come and, and listen for a little bit and then walk around and, and then come back for that mingling time at the end where you can purchase books and chat books from the readers. And the actual reading times are scheduled from two until four. Yeah. Straight short break in the middle. Yes. And, uh, you know, I'm noticing just from the people I know, people from Lawrence, people from Topeka, people from Kansas City, mm -hmm. um, and, you know, really talented people and, and really different stories that brought them to poetry because mm -hmm. as, I, as I look at the list I mean the, there are only a few that I haven't met and and that's it's really going to be very special and it's and having you know Beth Schultz obviously is is an important part of this and mm -hmm. she's somebody who for people who don't know her Elizabeth Schultz is her <laughs> real name she uh, is a retired professor from KU um, and, and as I understand, internationally known as a Herman Melville scholar. Mm -hmm. And her story about poetry, you know, maybe she'll share that, maybe she won't at that time, but um, poetry is really something she's gotten immersed in after retirement from yes. all that academic writing. Yes. Yeah, but she's also this person with this rich personal history, you know, and you know, when I kind of prompted you to talk about Body Pump, um, with Beth, it's like, she's this feminist from the beginning, from, you know, before those people who are young students now even thought about it, you know, Beth was one of those people, very active. And, and I think about her being really tied with environmentalism as mm -hmm. well, you know. So she's got these passions in addition to poetry. Mm -hmm. um, and she definitely walks the walk. It's not just, you know, I think this is important, but she does things to improve other people's lives in so many different ways. Mm -hmm. She's a treasure. Yeah. She really is. She's so supportive of the community and so many different facets. Uh -huh. So, I mean, she's so supportive still of the university, but also of the Lawrence community and the wider community. So, uh -huh. yeah, she's a really invaluable asset yeah, to Lawrence. Yeah, very special person. Mm -hmm. And so having this this poetry fair, you know, to me in a lot of ways, it's it's kind of in her honor, you know, as it, mm -hmm. as it gets handed off yes. in the future to other organizers. Yes. So, I, I I hope it might even be called the Beth Schultz poetry fair. Who knows? <laughs> Somehow acknowledging that she's the one who started. Yes. She'd probably say, "No, no, no." She's so modest. Yeah, she'll be like, "No, no, I don't need." Yeah, she she's incredibly modest, and you know, anytime you try to give her accolades, she just goes, "No, no, no. It's no trouble. It's yeah." Yeah, it's wonderful. <laughs> so it'll be a really it's a great event. I know last year, and it's different this year. Last year there were some high school readers. I don't think. Yeah, I think it'll much. be. I think because we had to kind of limit the reading. Yes, yeah. but I really encourage high school students to come out and listen and yeah. be able to talk 
Yeah. Um, because there are vent like talk to talk to the readers because there are venues for them like tap room and yeah. other places and there yeah. are a lot of open mics at places like Frank's or yeah. or Gaslight and other venues. So yeah. we really encourage them to come out and, yeah. and share their work. Yeah. There was it was Nadia Mephidon, who's now in Seattle working, she's not here anymore, but um, she was she was the one who told me that back in the day when mm-hmm. the there was an open mic series at Jazz House, and so people under 21 couldn't attend mm-hmm. that, that there were high school students that started performing at the top of the parking garage, and they, oh. <laughs> they had regular poetry open mics for themselves up there, and now it's more integrated. Standing Room Only is one of those events mm-hmm. that has encouraged people of all ages, um, was actually started by people under 21. Michael Tomasian wasn't 21 when he started leading that. He's since moved to Chicago, but um, Standing Room Only has expanded. And so there are a variety of different things mm-hmm. that are going on. And here's one thing I will say. If you're going to come to the Poetry Fair, stay and hear a variety of people. Don't miss the opportunity yes. by just coming to pop in to see your friend who's reading or this person whose name you've heard. So you yeah, want to stay see before and after. Yeah, <laughs> stay, stay around and and really hear several people, you know, and, and get that opportunity to learn more about what poetry really can be. And seriously consider, you know, bring in some cash or credit card, whatever it takes, whatever form you spend your money in to, to take something home with you. Mm-hmm. Because it's really so sweet to be able to go back and read something and think, I met that poet, and mm-hmm. this is so cool. And, and all the readers, I, I will say this, they will all be so happy to talk with you uh-huh. and to sign any book that you purchase or chapbook and, and make that out to you and write little notes. It's really fun to do that. Yes. Um, and then you get something personalized, and you also had a conversation with that person. Yeah. I think especially in the Lawrence community, people are willing also to talk with you well, well long after, uh-huh. you know, especially like younger writers, high school students, uh-huh. even fellow writers, you uh-huh. know, to keep that conversation going, I think is yeah. really important. Yeah. And one of the people who is involved as a reader this year, Jameson Bales, he's a poet based in Kansas City. And one of the things about Jameson is he's one of those people who always works hard to bring other people up in their work. Mm-hmm. And he has organized wonderful group readings at the Raven Bookstore and in Lawrence, even though He's based in Kansas City. He's doing lots of things. And and with one of the things that he started is a poetry um, prize that is in memory of a dear friend of his who died very early, um, Dory Hogan, Dory Renee Hogan. And last year, Topeka poet Anna Chumo was the first winner of the that prize and got her book published. And Jen Cormonti, who's one of the readers at this year's Poetry Fair, was really instrumental mm-hmm. in helping uh, Dory, excuse me, helping Anna put together that book. And so it's look at all these connections of people mm-hmm. that, that really are about helping other poets as well as speaking in their own voices. Yeah, you really do make those connections. So yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't all, it's not like a secret club or, you know, it's not like these things happen in a vacuum. They, they're all, they're all very much connected and everyone does know each other or gets to know each other. And I yeah. think that's important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when you say everyone, it's like everyone in the audience. It's not just yeah. that the, the poets yeah. are only going to talk to other people. No, no, never. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's, that's one of those reminders is that probably mm-hmm. great stuff. And it, and it might inspire you. I don't know what, what kind of publications people are going to be bringing, but I know, for example, I don't think Danny Kane is reading I, is he reading? He might. I mean, we, I we've encouraged the organizers to read, so okay. I think he should be reading okay. maybe briefly. At some yeah, he is. Yeah. He is okay. reading. And, and the reason yeah. I was thinking of Danny is that I first got to know Danny's work at Taproom Poetry Series. Mm-hmm. And so I have some little folded paper, eight and a half by yes. eleven chapbooks of his, you know, just like, and maybe that's what you're going to find from some people. And some are going to be things that you, that, mm-hmm. that are published, you know, and, and in terms of bound and glossy covers and those kinds of things. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, there'll be yeah. a variety. Yeah. And so it, it can be inspiring for people that that want to, you know, think, well, um, you know, can I do this? And like one way you can start letting people really see your work is with those small chapbooks. Mm-hmm. And I know that, for example, Taproom is one of those places where when they when they have events, Taproom Poetry Series, that that there there's always a book table. There's always a community book table. Cool. People cool. can always bring their books yeah. to sell. 
And and one of the one of the, the as I look at the list of people who are going to be uh, reading, one of the readers, Topher Anaking. You know, I don't again. I don't know what Topher will bring. But one of the fun things that he does to inspire other people is he does these little um, kind of journals. I don't know. If, I can't. I don't know if he still calls if if he calls them journal zine or what he calls them for sure at this point. But but it's something that you can write in. But also he sprinkled in there some of his own poetry as kind mm -hmm. of like, you know, kind of to grease the wheels, you know, here's mm -hmm. something and, you know, and to use this to encourage other people to write. And that's really a special thing. And my guess is that he will have his daughter, Francesca, with him. Um, I've known Topher and Francesca for a few years and she is a delight. She is three years old, I believe. <laughs> I'm trying to think, is that right? I think she's three years old. Um, and she's known to grab the mic, so. <laughs> yes, the Poetry Fair is family friendly. Yes, yes, <laughs> One of those cool things that happens. That happens. Hey, we need to take a little break. I, you know, in my enthusiasm for the Poetry Fair and people that are going to be there, um, it's, it's time for us to take a little break. And I'm hoping that when we come back that you would share some of your work with us on air. Yes. Hey, yes. yes. <laughs> um, we're going to hear from a couple of businesses that sponsor LawrenceHits.com. And I get to thank Daniel Smith, who does the technology magic that lets me concentrate on the conversations. Thank you, Daniel. And we'll be right back with Elise Benzel. So welcome back to Talk With Me. This is Marcia Epstein, and my guest is Elise Benzel. And we've been talking a lot about the Poetry Fair at the Lawrence Arts Center, which is on Saturday, April 15th this year for 2017, from 1.30 to 5, with lots of reading from 2 to 4. So a little time to wander and chat between 1.30 and 2, and from 4 to 5. It'll be just a fun and, and wonderful event. And so, because we've been talking so much about the poetry fair, we've kind of neglected you. Always. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> and I'd love to have you share some of your work. Sure. Um, so I'll read um, a few poems from a new manuscript. I know the last time we talked, I was doing very historical-based, persona-based work, and and this work, as you'll as you'll see, is very different. Um, so I'll go ahead and read read a few poems, and then we can chat about them. Great. Baking and the men I've loved, including you. It's all in the revisions. Halved recipes annotated with fractions, add and subtract. I hesitate with sugar in pies, zest extra lemons for tart cream. Would fill a notebook I have yet to open. I prefer the phrasing from others who have done it so well on index cards. The deck I use contains the empress, my preferred emblem, although I keep on drawing the hermit for you or the hanged man, men in voluntary fugue states that repeat the same day. I once refused to turn on the oven to warm the kugelhop dough that needed to rise so it could perform another buttery miracle. These are my edible darlings. A quick bread splits uneven down the middle during its final minutes in the oven. The steamy prayer when I unmold a cake. Some days I've done it right. Other days I'm reconstructing a layer with burning hot puzzle pieces. Either way, it will be delicious. Covering up my failures is what I do best. I have likened you to my favorite instructions written by another woman. One day, I got lazy. I assumed I had memorized the whole list, but I forgot the ordered ratios, left out the cinnamon, and added too much baking powder. The raw batter was bitter in my mouth. You see, she knew better. Vinegar and honey. You are insect today and every other day, flighty but easily seduced with sugar. I drink wine in bed, empty the litter box, anything a pregnant woman should not do. I lace vinegar with dish soap to cure all the sweetness in my kitchen and ward off impossible fruit flies drawn to rot. I dress my unrepentant feast, my mouth full of honey that dilutes the spoiled wine I held for too long on my tongue. 
Sundays, I am on my knees. Evenings, I break my fast with a meal that quiets my sharp thirst. I scour the house. I read your letters, although they are as empty as shed cicada skins, where the shiny nymph fled for its short ticking life. Once, I made a crown from those exoskeletons. I know you will mistake me for one of your own. You will linger despite the dangerous cold, seething your dying timble song. Tourism. Be a tourist in your own home, its skeletal walls flayed of plaster flesh. You may wonder why each picture frame seems empty. No one there is familiar, so pass among their faces as if they were silk curtains, luxurious but airy volumes. It's insignificant, and yet you can't quite understand the beauty of an abandoned silo that incubates saplings in its hollowness. Where you promise, but make no guarantees. The scene is here for you, and only you, and whomever else happens to drive by on that country road. Look at each room from every angle. This house is no more than its wooden frame. Now, be a tourist in your own body. Anchor your toes. The swaying catches everyone off guard. Like a rental home, the body's repairs are not included. Busted pipes, faulty ankle, worn roofing, a rupture. Don't let the beating stop. Be like my favorite gaudy porcelain clock. Rewind, spring forward, turn back with your hands. Now read one more. Cool. Thank you. Poisonous snakes in Puerto Rico. Kansas takes many forms. Cottonmouth, copperhead, Massasagua, prairie, diamondback, timber. Slit pupils, the extra pit between nostrils and mouth. A mouth fitted for fangs. A single row of scales laid like a brick garden border. I stumble on the Medusa head neighborhood plains garter snakes tangle into during the weeks near spring. I show cautious children the photo on my phone matching the snake. No poison. The snakes are stubborn as cats. They wait underneath the shadow of the neighbor's tires. I coax them in another direction. My first snake was a pencil-sized garter pissing itself in my hand, making my skin slick enough to slip away. I know there are no poisonous snakes in Puerto Rico. It's the pulse of something that's all spine. I fear that kind of exposure with nothing to protect me but muscle and sun drunk stillness. Lovely. Thank you. So, yes, tell us a little bit sure. about this manuscript and these particular poems. Yeah, I thought I'd, I'd kind of read through them first. So, so this manuscript is, it centers a lot around a couple different things. Um, as you can see, there's a lot of poems dealing with domesticity, the home, but also spaces outside of the home. So I, I this manuscript is in two parts and I kind of skipped around. Um, the first part is about a long distance uh, friendship relationship um, that has lasted for quite a long time and kind of between these two people and exploring that relationship and how a very sudden event changed the nature of that, of that relationship. So uh, the, all the poems in the first section are imagined as, as epistles. So it's all epistolary work. So these kind of letters um, because this, uh, this friendship has a lot of it has developed through letter writing. And so I used uh, a lot of these poems in first drafts. They were called letter or something like that. I ended up dropping it because they worked the same way. Mm -hmm. um, so these poems are kind of letter poems and talking about um, very large distances and, and how distance has affected that relationship or changed it. And also how digital media and digital mediums have, have changed that as well. So things like Facebook, Instagram, um, Google chat, Google Hangouts, like how how those relationships that for the most part did not occur in person um, and instead have evolved through digital media, how mm -hmm. that has kind of changed the nature of the relationship. Mm -hmm. um, and then the second half of, of the manuscript deals a lot with how 
um, it kind of falls back on the speaker um, and not not the you always being addressed um, in this relationship and, and the speaker's own relationship and how the speaker is navigating their own um, their own major life changes and and how domesticity and kind of being in the home um, how that kind of affects um, the way that they they view the world. Um, so a lot of these poems center around domestic tasks like baking, a lot of baking poems um, specifically, but also kind of cleaning, also kind of gardening, um, these kinds of things that maintain the home. So as the manuscript progresses, it has a lot to do with like baking, food, eating, um, as then well snakes as, in Puerto and Rico. And snakes, yeah, <laughs> which is kind of the first half. Um, but also snakes and, and kind of kind of the speaker connecting a lot of these um, things that they see kind of in their regular life, um, living um, in the Midwest to the to another friend who is thousands of miles away on a tropical island mm-hmm. and how how those kinds of things collide. Um, how how the the Caribbean and the the Midwest kind of collide in different kinds of ways, or how they don't, um, how they stay very kind of separate. Um, so that's what a lot of the of the collection is about, um, and it kind of moves kind of a little bit out from that, really kind of focusing more and more on on the speaker um, rather rather than the you, um, and, and kind of taking it that way. But it kind of kind of comes a little bit full circle. So a lot of different things um, going on in the manuscript, a lot of things have to do with marriage and domesticity and being in the home and and kind of navigating very kind of large ruptures or changes in relationships. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's kind of kind of a little <laughs> convoluted gist of, of what's happening in a lot of these poems. And as you refer to that as a manuscript mm-hmm. art, is it something that you anticipate sending yes. to publishers? Yeah, so this, I've been sending this, uh, Manuscript. I just started sending mm-hmm. this manuscript back out, so I haven't mm-hmm. heard yet. Um, but I've also um, a lot of these poems have appeared in journals. So the last poem that I read, um, "Poisonous Snakes in Puerto Rico," is in the Adroit Journal, um, and "Tourism" is coming out very, very soon in Bear Review, which is a journal out of Kansas City area. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of these poems are existing on in online spaces, um, especially which I'm really happy about because I. I love that I can very easily share mm-hmm. um, poems that way. And a lot of these poems are kind of out in the world or will very soon be out in the world, which uh-huh. is very exciting. Yeah. Um, you know, so I have, there are more coming, uh-huh. um, you know, throughout the spring and the summer. Uh-huh. And, and, uh, our listeners can't see you, but yes. you show that enthusiasm, <laughs> that excitement. Yeah, I am very, I mean, it's always very exciting to have, um, poems kind of out like I know a lot of you know especially when you kind of get into publishing more regularly it's nice to have ones that are out in the world but it's kind of fun to be like I have new things coming Uh into the world um, that other people get to read and to share Uh and it's always very interesting to see the kind of responses I get for certain poems like there are certain poems in the manuscript that have been a little bit more visceral kind of poems Mm -hmm. there's also a lot of viscera kind of stuff going on um in the collection um, that have come out, one came out in Quarterly West last fall, and my so one of my friends called me up and he's like, "Are you okay?" And I was like, "Yes, I'm fine. It's a poem. You know, it's, <laughs> it's just a fun thing. You know, it's not. You know, I think a lot of people get this get hung up on there. Like, yes, the speaker is always you. I'm like, well, sometimes, sometimes not. Sometimes uh-huh. it's a whole different thing. It's uh-huh. it's a poem and it can live on its own and it doesn't need me to, uh-huh. you know, exist in the world and and people can take that however they want. Uh-huh. Um, so, so yeah, so it's been a very interesting, and then, you know, especially my family, they're like, oh, that's very nice, nice poem, very interesting, and I'm like, okay, and they're like, I didn't know what was happening, and that's how it usually <laughs> is with my, with my family, and they're like, oh, that's very nice, very nice poem, um, so it's kind of interesting to see the kind of mixed responses from people I know and have known for a very long time, uh-huh. and also um, people I've, I've met through, you know, having things published because when you get published in an issue, you get published with all these other people. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the time the editors feel like a conversation is happening. And I see that, especially as I read through, I feel like, yeah, there is a conversation happening. So Mm -hmm. poets who maybe I've I've admired for a really long time, Mm -hmm. but haven't, you know, really spoken to, you know, as soon as I see them like, Oh, my poem is paired with theirs or they're right next to each other. Uh You know, you can follow them on Twitter or say hi, or, Uh you know, I get a lot of Facebook friend requests after an issue goes live because Uh other people who appeared in the issue will, 
will friend me or follow me. And you get to like just make a lot of connections that way. Yeah. It's really, really fun. Yeah. Um, that's what I love most about it is to see like, cause it's, it can be a really fun surprise. Like, Ooh, who am I with? You know, yeah. who's, who's in the party yeah. here uh, yeah. with me? So yeah. you get that, you get a much more increased sense of community that way. Yeah. So. so there, there's some huge strengths about the online technology, the things mm -hmm. that can happen that way. Yeah. But I will also remind our readers that at some point buying books is important. Yeah. Also very important, <laughs> of course. And, and so, you know, one of the great things that you can do is you can read someone's work online and then go find the book. And yeah. I've done that, you know, my students and I have them read at least three issues of different journals, either online or print. So, mm -hmm. Um, if they really love someone's work mm -hmm. or they really love that journal, they can subscribe to it or mm -hmm. they can go out and grab the book mm -hmm. um, or they can even read the book at the library and then get it. You know, there are certain books where, you know, I like to I love the Lawrence Public Library and they are so good about getting contemporary poetry, mm -hmm. you know, things that just came out. I can get there. And, you know, if I really love something, you know, it's my fun sampler because there, there are so many books in my house. Yeah. My husband has so many books and I try to, I luckily poetry is a lot smaller in <laughs> so I can fit more, but it, you know, it can become a little, and I get review yeah. copies all the time uh -huh. too. Um, so it's really nice to be able to kind of read a bunch of people's work and yeah. then be like, oh, they have a book because usually they have bios. So they'll uh -huh. say they're the author of trap books or they'll the author. Yeah. It's even more fun if they have a book coming out and then yeah. I can kind of like follow along and yeah. see when the book is going to come out. Yeah. So it's, it's good yeah. that way. Yeah. And, and I will say for people who, you know, as I say, buy the books when you can, you know, mm -hmm. at an event, buy them. If you can't buy them from the writer, then one of the things that you can sometimes do is buy it from the small press. Yes. A lot of poetry is mm -hmm. from small presses across the country. And look at those small presses, see what they have, and order mm -hmm. if you can through them. And if you can't do it that way, then please support your local independent booksellers yes. by going there and saying, hey, do you have this or will you order this They can always me? order it. For yeah. You. And in Lawrence, that would be the Raven Bookstore which is this fabulous welcoming host for poetry events many times mm -hmm. throughout the year, several a month usually. Mm -hmm. And yes, you know, buy your poetry there. <laughs> I, I will say if you tend to buy at, you know, at a reading or an event, they tend to have a markdown too. So because it's a direct, it's kind of a direct exchange. So uh -huh. you can usually get um, those books at a pretty nice discount. Uh -huh. Taproom tends to do that, which is really uh -huh. nice. Um, and also small press distribution is uh -huh. the website, the consortium website where you uh -huh. can get a lot of these very small press books, um, especially micro presses or very small ones. They don't always have their own storefront. Right. So they, they turn to small press distribution, um, which is a wonderful, they're out there online, they're on Twitter, they're on Instagram, which is really fun. I like, I always like all their photos on Instagram because they always kind of they're like, look at this new beautiful book we just got from this oh, press. Cool. And sometimes I've never heard of that press, which is rare for me. Usually I kind of know. And uh -huh. so I'm like, Ooh, who's that? You know, uh -huh. what's that? Um, and they are, they're really the kind of hub of a lot of the very small and medium. Presses. Lovely. I said, I've never mm -hmm. heard that. Yes. That's they're great. a wonderful organization. Wonderful. And as we're mentioning that and, and other things, I, I have to mention that, um, the week after this poetry fair in Lawrence on April 15th, um, on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, April 21st through mm -hmm. 23rd is the Kansas City Poetry Throwdown, yes. which is an amazing event. Um, look at it on Facebook, Kansas City Poetry Throwdown. Look at Spartan Press Throwdown page or Spartan Press Kansas City. You need to stick that in when you do the search. Um, and their throwdown page, and you'll see a list of the featured poets as well as other performers. And what made me think about it right now is that one of the activities they have is a is an activity is an event with publishers, small mm -hmm. press publishers, um, who I'm thinking all are also poets on their own. Um, I've, I've talked to several of them, and it's a great idea to uh, to expose yourself if, if you're a writer, obviously. To learn more about what that that's about, small presses, publishing, sort of how to make that happen. Mm -hmm. You know, there's there's a lot, and this whole throwdown thing is a huge gift to this area, man. I would just say if you can be there, um, most of the things will be at Prospero's Books. The Writers Place is hosting some things, and again, it's it's all weekend, April twenty first to twenty third, and this yeah. is the second annual throwdown, and it's. Outstanding. And shout out to Jason Reberg and Jameson Bales, who you can talk to at the Poetry Fair here in Lawrence. Yeah, they'll tell you um, all about it. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool stuff happening. Yeah. 
So where do you see yourself in terms of you have another year? And is that is that like realistic that you hope to have your dissertation done? Yes, it's a very, I think it's a very realistic timeline for me. So I will be finishing up my PhD in the next year. Um, and like I said, I, I'm very, very lucky and fortunate to this summer have a research award from the Hall Center. And also in the fall, I am one of the CIOS fellows in the humanities from the Hall Center. Um, so I'm on that. And then I will be a GRA for my department in the spring. So I, my first time in seven years having a break from teaching. Um, and I love teaching. I absolutely adore it. But it's so nice to have that time where I can exclusively dedicate it to my own work yeah. uh, and, and really focus there and get a lot done. So, yes, I will be I'll be looking for jobs, you know, at the university level of teaching um, and around around the country kind of got to just, you know, toss out uh-huh. um, as many as many um, lures and see what happens there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's what I'll be doing in the next year. Mm-hmm. Um, so it may be my final year in Lawrence. We'll uh-huh. see. I mean, I'll be very sad to leave, uh-huh. um, you know, been here for the past four years and then five years. So, yeah, it's quite yeah. a long time. So during this year with your dissertation, tell us a little bit about what your dissertation is. Um, So I read uh, from it last time. So it's a poetic biography of the 17th and 18th century illustrator and naturalist. Her name was Maria Sevilla Marion. Uh, She was one of the first women and especially one of the first uh, Western Europeans to illustrate metamorphosis and really understand the ecological connections between metamorphosis specifically Lepidoptera, which is moth and butterfly metamorphosis. Um, Her illustrations are beautiful. You can Google her and see her work. Um, So I will be investing my time on finishing up the critical portion of that dissertation on her because for our PhD in creative writing, we have our creative manuscript, of course, which is, you know, I'm just doing some final revisions on that. But then we do a critical um, portion where, you know, we can explore the the creative portion um, in different kinds of ways. So mine's going to be talking about the poetic biography genre and kind of the biography and poems. There are a lot of really wonderful collections out there that kind of take a figure or a group of figures and and write about them or write persona poems from their perspective. Um, so kind of discussing those as well as I'll be doing some really fun translation work. Um, the oh. Spencer uh, Museum, the Spencer Research Library actually has a 1730 French edition of one of uh, Maria's folios, the Suriname book specifically. And um, they have no one has really decided to go ahead and just translate all of the plates um, into English for some reason. And luckily, because it's a French and Latin edition, I'm going to f- translate some of that writing um, that happens alongside the illustrations, because I think that's really important. So I'll be spending a lot of time in the archives mm-hmm. um, this, this next year doing translation work, as well as a lot of just gathering all of my critical sources and, and having really comprehensive bibliographies and resources for other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and luckily, you know, Maria has been getting a lot of critical attention. There was just a recent article a couple months ago in the New York Times about her. Um, there's a scholar in, yeah. in at Gettysburg College who they interviewed um, who's approaching um, Maria from, you know, a critical, very critical kind of art history perspective. Uh-huh. And I think that's really important, too. So the more critical engagement I can have that can happen with her work, the better, uh-huh. I think, because I think it will lead to discovering other artists and naturalists and so as you're working on all of this, which mm-hmm. sounds huge to me, yeah. yeah, do you see yourself having time to write poetry in the midst of that? I think I will. I okay. mean, I, I like to schedule my time, you know, every single day and get every a little bit of everything done. So I think I'll be spending, you know, devoting part of my day to getting all that dissertation um, work done, but also spending, making sure I provide myself time to continue to write more poems Uh and continue to gather together things for manuscripts. And I'm at this really fun part right now, actually, where, you know, I have two manuscripts pretty much done and I have all these new poems I'm writing, especially the ones for this month where I'm trying to really have a daily writing habit Mm -hmm. because I always tell my students have a daily writing habit. Uh And then if I'm like, I need to do it too, Uh uh, because sometimes it doesn't happen. And then I kind of feel like, I feel like when after you write a poem or even just a paragraph or something you just feel so much better for the rest mm-hmm. of the day so I'm just working on all these new poems and they're all over the place all about all different kinds of things and they're just kind of out there right now which uh-huh. is really fun it's not nothing has solidified into like a, a manuscript or anything uh-huh. yet they're just kind of existing which uh-huh. I love because there's there always feels like there's a lot more possibility there mm-hmm. you know nothing has been closed off yet I'm mm-hmm. kind of keeping all the doors open mm-hmm. is in your writing of your own poetry is it typical that you 
write and then later kind of group into themes for manuscripts? Yes. Okay. So usually I will write a bunch and then if I see a theme or something emerging, then I start kind of putting them all in the same document. And then I see what conversations they're having with each other. And that's how I revise because I think that creates cohesion in a uh -huh. really good way. Um, rather than like spending a separate time on each and then putting it in and like struggling to make them have a conversation. Mm -hmm. At least that's what I did for this latest manuscript is I would write and write. And once I felt pretty good about the poem, maybe it wasn't completely done. I just throw it all in the same document. And then I print it all out and kind of revise and think what if there was a call and response happening. Because I think that was really important with the new manuscript that I just read from is the call and response. They had to be in conversation, like very explicitly. Um, and the new stuff, you know, it's all kind of just there floating around. And I'll, I'll figure out what threads are happening as I continue to work. Say more about the conversation between the poems. Like, is that something that is your way that you kind of notice that in somebody else's and I'm just kind of mm -hmm. is that it? I've never heard somebody use that phrase it's yeah so interesting um so I you know when I read books I do tend to see what poems are in conversation with one another that tend to echo each other or even contradict each other in certain mm -hmm. ways because you know the poem is an entity that could technically exist on its own and it usually does in journals and other things but as a book the the poem is not just existing on by itself it's in conversation with all of these other poems and you have to think about what kind of conversation is the reader entering as they kind of read through mm -hmm. um, a collection so when i tend to think about conversations between poems i tend to think about well is someone is a poem talking back to another poem like i think about especially when i'm ordering poems um, is one poem starting a conversation and then is another poem finishing it, mm -hmm. you know, and or, you know, and or is one poem saying one thing and then another poem is complicating it. Uh -huh. Or is one poem, you know, just starting off and then one poem's completely contradicting that poem or kind of having, is it a backlash kind of against that one? And, uh -huh. and so, and I really, um, you know, that was always a subconscious thing, I think. And then when I had um, my husband and my friends read through the manuscript, it's always great to have readers. It's so important to have uh -huh. other people look at it. He's like, I think, you know, these two seem to be talking to each other. And I was like, you're right. And then I really thought about how that conversation was developing. Um, Cause you know, sometimes I think you're writing a poem and you can just write the same poem and it's just a one-sided thing. And I feel like that variety is really important. And you can think about it in terms of a conversation. You can think about it in terms of a lot of different kinds of, of other kinds of engagement, but the conversation thing, the kind of talking thing really helps me as I revise and think about a manuscript. Uh-huh, interesting. As you were saying that, it made me think of a, of a book that I've read recently, um, a poet, Rob Plath, who is in New York, and, and a lot of his work is published through Epic Rights Press. Mm -hmm. And this particular book, and I, I'm, because I was just looking at my bookshelf, it's like, which is the name of that book? And I was like, I'm, I'm not 100% sure. But the, the book is written with two, it's, it's got the poems that are, in some sense, the main poem on the page, and a short poem at the bottom mm -hmm. of every page. Yeah. And there's a theme, as you would say, a conversation in between those two, as well as the mm -hmm. threads, as, it's a complicated conversation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think it's always a pretty, I mean, no, none of these conversations are either simple, which is what makes it so productive and I think engaging for a reader is they're having a conversation. You know, when I'm reading through poems, I'm kind of talking to it in my head and then uh -huh. also on the page. So uh -huh. there's a lot of different facets and kind of lines to explore as you yeah, go through. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and then, you know, I can't resist adding the context part that, that I'm sure when you look at something that you wrote a while ago mm -hmm. it has new meanings yes. now and that's that's to me part of the the sign of really powerful poetry is when it really does shift with context mm -hmm. that we really get new additional yeah. pieces to it because of what's going on now in our personal lives or mm -hmm. in the world or both yeah. yeah, anytime you can revisit a poem and kind of get glean something different from it uh -huh. or, or realize something that you didn't before, I mean, that's always wonderful. Yeah. Someone else's work, but also that's what's so wonderful about reading your, reading your own work, especially when you're in the revision stage and you let, let it go for a while and uh -huh. you're like, wait a second, you know, and you, you notice things you hadn't uh -huh. before and, uh -huh. and you either kind of work those, tease those things out or think about, you know, what, what you can do to kind of further that, that yeah. tension or that conversation. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, we're at the end of the hour. And, and I have to say, one of the things that has been so remarkable, so impressive to me, is your excitement about what you're doing. And then my imagination of people who are in your classes, you know, who have been and who will be again in the spring in a year and, you know, wherever you land mm -hmm. after your degree, that that enthusiasm has to be inspiring for people. You know? I hope so. I hope, yeah. I mean, I try to, you know, I, I hope I entertain my students and I, I've, I've seen a lot of enthusiasm in my creative writing students this semester. I'm really, uh -huh. I'm really happy. That's um, great. And I, I think a lot of them will continue to write. So. That's great. <laughs> and so people can meet you at the Poetry Fair. Yes which is Saturday, April 15th from 1.30 to 5 at the Lawrence Arts Center in downtown Lawrence, Kansas. Be a great event. Lots of wonderful people to meet there. Lots of things to hear. Lots of books to buy. You know, it'll, be, it'll be a great time. And then people can continue to, to look for you, Elise, A-L-Y-S-E, Bensel, B-E-N-S-E-L, in terms of what's happening with your publications yes. as you're sending things out and when the manuscripts land. And yeah. so that'll be great. Yes. So thank you so much. Thank you. It was Love a pleasure. To do this. Listeners hope to see you at the Poetry Fair in Lawrence. And so long. <laughs>